now. Scotland's talking. Call 0333-2020-401 and join the debate. Hello and a very good morning. Welcome to this week's edition of Scotland's Talking. On the programme today, would you like your car to stop you speeding? It can tell you on the dashboard how fast the speed limit is and it will restrict the vehicle to no more than that speed. All new cars sold in Europe will soon come with speed limiters. But will they improve road safety? If you think of the country lanes, the speed limit's often 50 or 60 miles an hour, but you'd have to be pretty crazy to drive that fast. Sadly, some people do, and this won't help. We'll hear from a couple of motoring experts, and I want to know what you think as drivers. Also, between now and midday, the official crime figures are down again. But is it a postcode lottery? We're questioning the Justice Secretary, Hume Zayusaf. Some offences that we see, unfortunately, are on the increase. We see there are some, be- some, some geographical areas, areas of deprivation in particular, where we've just not made the movement we'd want to make. After another week of Brexit turmoil, so Theresa May offered to resign. I'm asking you who you would like to see as the next Tory Prime Minister. I think there was a great deal of sympathy for the Prime Minister that she was putting the interests as she sees them of the country and the party first and sacrificing herself for that. And coming up first, do supermarket special offers make you fat? We're hearing from a professor behind the study and find out what shop owners think. It's all on Scotland's Talking. As always, it's all about your opinions. We would love yours. Here's the telephone number if you'd like to join us. 033-2020-401. Scotland's Talking, the podcast. This is Scotland's Talking. I'm Ali Bally and we're here with you taking you through some of the subjects that have been in the news this week and getting your comments as well. As always, you can join us on the phone lines, 033-2020-401. You can text. The text number is 61054. Start with Ali, A-L-L-Y. Email Ali at thegreatesthits.co.uk. And we're on Twitter. If you're a Twitter, then you'll get us on hashtag Scotland's Talking. Um, the, the more special offers you buy the fatter you are. That's the finding of research which shows shoppers who load up on supermarket promotions are 50% more likely to be obese. Almost half of the treats like chocolate, crisps and savoury snacks are bought on discount, according to the study for Cancer Research UK. And being overweight is the biggest preventable cause of cancer. So we're told. So, if all these unhealthy foods were always at food full price, would you buy them? Would you buy them less? Would many of us be a whole lot thinner or just a whole lot poorer? Professor Linda Ball from the University of Edinburgh is the charity's prevention expert. Uh, Professor Linda, good morning. How good are morning. you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm good. Do you never buy special offers? Sadly, I do, unfortunately. They're very common in my uh, part of Edinburgh in the supermarket, local supermarket. The problem is that we don't often see them on the fruit and veg. That's what we're hoping there'll be more of. Right. You see, I, I'm, I'm overweight, right? I have been for years, so <laughs> I'm overweight. I, I'll give you that. Um, I, know, I, I don't buy special offers on the savoury stuff because I don't like um, chocolate and things like that. But I, I was in the supermarket the other day and there was chicken on offer, um, breast of chicken. If you bought two packets or three packets, you got it cheaper. Avocados, you got uh, two for the price of three. So the special offers are there on the healthier stuff, Linda. Are, are the majority just ignoring them? 
Well, I think the problem is that you're absolutely right. You can get your chicken breast and your salmon and whatever, you know, two for the price of, um, <clears throat> or three for the price of two or whatever. But the, actually, you'll, you probably are aware yourself, Ali, the dominant form of special offers is not on those kinds of foods. Um, particularly this time of year with Easter on at the moment. I mean, when I go into my local Asda, I won't say what kind. Um, well, it's an Asda. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, right. Okay. <coughs> but I won't say right. which one. Okay, so you're I won't an say Asda which one. shopper then. Right? I am indeed. Okay. Um, and uh, that's, the, that's the one closest to me. So they're mostly the Easter eggs. The crisps in particular, sweets, uh, sugary snacks, etc. They make up the vast majority, in fact in some studies up to 70% of the special offers, the things on promotion. Now the problem with that, of course, is it tempts people to buy those offers. And when we looked in this study at the relationship between what people were buying and taking advantage of those special offers, the people who took most advantage of them actually were buying far less fruit and veg. So 30% less fruit and 25% fewer vegetables in favor of these other offers on the foods that, let's face it, we all know we shouldn't be eating at all or we should certainly be eating less of because they're not so good for us. Now, you can ask, well, why is a cancer charity banging on about this? I think you said at the beginning that, um, you know, over- overweight and obesity is linked to cancer. It's not the biggest preventable cause. That's smoking still by far. Okay. Um, but it's rapidly catching up. We estimate by 2040 it will be the leading preventable cause in women with men following on after that. So we need to do something about that. <clears throat> now, everybody needs to take responsibility for their own health. Um, But we think that changing the food environment, so changing the promotion and the price of products to skew it more towards the healthy products will make a difference because it just makes it easier for everybody if we can do that. And in terms of these multi-buy offers, it's something that the Scottish government themselves can change, unlike some of the other policies where we're dependent on Westminster. Right, but to be fair, really, Linda, if, if you fancy an Easter egg, you're not going to buy two for one stocks of broccoli, are you? No, and of course, people are buying Easter eggs, including, you know, my kids, I've got teenage kids, we're all eating Easter eggs, there's no doubt about that, but the point is we should be eating less of them, moderation in all things, and if I'm, um, you know, if I'm going to get three for the price of two, I'll probably go for it, won't I, which isn't great, because I don't actually need three, I probably just want one or two. Right. John Lee is from the Scottish Grocers Federation. John, good morning to you. Good morning, how are you? I'm all right, thank you. How are you? Yeah, very well. It's a beautiful day. It's it's rather nice today. Sun is shining, so we'll keep our fingers crossed it's going to stay that way. Um, Scottish Grocers Federation, who do you represent apart from uh, is, is it small independents or is it large multiples or is it them all? That's, yeah, you're quite right. It's small uh, small independent grocery stores, of which there are about uh, just under 5,000 in Scotland and they provide about about 40,000 40, jobs. So yeah, it's the, the smaller independent grocers that we represent. And what do you think of um, when someone comes out with research like this saying that you're selling us all the wrong stuff? It's it's a serious piece of research and, and Linda's a, 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 very, a very highly respected um, academic so we have to take this seriously but um, as ever, there's, 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 there's more than one side to the story. The grocery market in the UK is, is hyper-competitive. Um, we've seen the rise of the discounters. We've seen the big supermarkets moving aggressively into the small um, store far- format. And, of course, there's been a huge rise in online shopping. So small grocers have to use a, a wide range of ways to give um, customers value and to ensure customers get get a low price. And I think a key point here is that I think shoppers in Britain and in Scotland have become 
very used to to value and, and very used to um, a low basket price for the shopping. So smaller stores particularly have to use a, a quite a wide variety of ways and should be allowed to do so um, to make sure shoppers get that value and get those low prices. But do you take Linda's point that the 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 grocers shops, the, whether it be supermarkets or the smaller ones, could be offering us and showing us more. Um, and t- trying to tempt us more into the healthier things in the three, or buy one, get one free, or whatever it is. Well, actually, um, Scottish Grocers Federation, in partnership with the Scottish Government, has something called the Healthy Living Programme, and it's absolutely designed to almost literally um, push healthy eating options to, to the front of the store. Uh, and there's over 2,000 small independent grocery shops uh, taking part in that programme, and it's been very successful. And the shops that get involved in it do see um, an increase in sales of, of fresh uh, fruit and vegetables and so on. So retailers are very much part of the solution, they want to be part of the solution and um, are already making real efforts in the small independent sector to make sure customers have those types of choices and as I say it's literally, the programme literally pushes um, healthy eating options to, to the front of the store and stores that participate um, it's, it's, been, it's been very successful I see it working, right. Linda that, that must be good news for you and the fact that they, they, they are coming on board <coughs> Absolutely. I mean, John and I have worked together on other topics in public health, and and, and the key thing with this, what we're arguing for, and, and to be honest, it's not us. The Scottish Government has committed to doing this in its diet and healthy weight strategy. We're just advocating for them to implement it, is to create a level playing field. Because as John, as John says, absolutely, small retailers are, are central to our communities. They're competing with these huge supermarkets. Who, to be frank, John will correct me if I'm wrong, I think about, we buy about 80% of our groceries in the bigger retailers. And um, they're the ones who particularly have been taking advantage of this big advertising, big price promotions on these really unhealthy products made by big multinational companies, the sweets and the crisps, etc. So this type of change would create a level playing field. The supermarkets would have to comply, and the small grocers have been very flexible. I mean, let's face it, they've had to deal with some really challenging policies like the removal of -of point-of-sale tobacco displays, which I know required a huge effort on their part. They have been very committed to a public health agenda. So if government goes ahead with this change, and let's face it, this is not going to solve the obesity crisis. It's a small change, but we think it will make an important contribution. And I know the government's committed to working with the Scottish Grocers Federation and others to make sure we can make that shift. Linda, just finally, what advice would you have for our listeners this morning then? What what would you like to say to them? If if, they they are going out for a a shop today, they're going into a supermarket or to their local grocers, and they do go for the the multi-buy crisps, etc., to take to their uh, work or to their kids' schools to to pack them off every day um, when they're back after their holiday, what what message have you got for them? Well, I mean, the crucial thing, actually, my message isn't to the public because people have got to make their own decisions. My message is very clearly and always has been consistently to government. Let's not blame the consumer. Um, Let's encourage government to create an environment where we do promote health in Scotland. And I think by introducing these types of policies, that's what they need to do. So that we're not saying it's it's your fault if you're carrying too much extra weight. It's your fault because you're putting that stuff in your mouth. But it is. Well, it's personal responsibility is hugely crucial and so are parents, of course. But let's be frank, we did ask the Scottish public what they thought of this policy, restricting multi-buy promotions. And the vast majority of them were in favour. So 
they were um, supporting the, pol- the policy, thinking it was a good idea. So two-thirds, I'm just finding the figure here, two-thirds of the public in Scotland back this move. So let's, let's try and encourage government to take action so it makes it easier for families and individuals. You see, on, on this show where pe- the public do get their say, I would... Um point out, and I'm, I'm not coming to the, the defence of the, the Scottish Government here, but you know there, are, there have been so many calls on this programme for the Scottish Government to stop interfering in people's lives. And that, if this is yet another thing that was to come out from the Scottish Government, um, saying that we're going to limit these uh, special offers, they would see, people would see that as something, as, as even more interference. Surely we should set up and take responsibility for it ourselves. Well, I don't think the Scottish public wants to be paying for the costs of treating overweight and obesity in the future, you know, which are hugely uh, burdensome on our NHS. And we certainly want our government, don't we, to put more money and to contribute more to our health service, to our schools, etc. Prevention is a never an easy sell, Ali. It's, it's always mm-hmm. controversial, you know, because we're doing something now that's maybe unpopular, it's called the nanny state, etc., yep. to really try and think about health in the longer term. And I completely recognize that. But that's why Public health is a hard sell. I'm sure John would agree with me. Um, but this report that you're, you know, you're kindly highlighting really does try to pull together some of the latest evidence just about the fact that what we buy and what we consume does contribute to weight and potentially, sadly, could contribute to future cancers. So it's really just drawing attention to that. Excellent. Linda, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Linda Bold from the University of Edinburgh. Professor Linda Bold, to give her her full title. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. John, just before you go... Um, you mentioned there the the rise in the the big supermarkets, and you know how when when will it end? I mean, we see buildings going up all over the place, new supermarkets and upon new supermarkets. Um, is this squeezing your smaller? I know it's totally away from what we're talking about, but it's, it's just something that interests me. Is this squeezing sure. your your smaller members because? Online shopping's becoming more of a thing, as we know, um, and yet we're still building big supermarkets. What's happening to the smaller grocer then? You, you, you're quite right, yes. A really, really good point you make. Um, yeah, they're under huge pressure, um, but generally the, the sector's very resilient, um, but it means that the smaller grocers are kind of having to, to run to stand still. They're working harder just to stay in business, to stay viable, to stay, uh, stay competitive. And that's why... You know, we get more and more concerned about this increasing burden of legislation that falls on them. I mean, they really got, they've got to be free to be able to um, be flexible in store. And as I said earlier, find ways of offering customers uh, the kind of value and low prices that they've come to come to expect. So we're very, very concerned that anything about anything that you know increases the compliance and the, and the, the legislative burden uh, on them anymore. So we would urge the, the, the Scottish Government to be very, very cautious about all of this uh, and try to um, promote policy that actually helps the smaller mm. stores um, because, yeah, you, you're absolutely right. The competitive pressure is huge. It's never-ending, particularly with the rise of um, online shopping and so on. So, yeah, we need to find ways of <clears throat> promoting and maintaining these community stores, absolutely. Absolutely. Totally agree with you, John. Thank you very much indeed for taking the time to join us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks very much. John Lee from the Scottish Grocers Federation. So what do you think? If uh, those offers were to disappear, would it affect you? I mean, you know, if, if you've got half a, you know, I don't know, maybe half a dozen people in the household who go out to work every day or indeed go to school and you're going and you're doing your, your supermarket shop, whether it's the large shops or the small shops, and you see something 
that is offering you um, a good deal. And yes, it may not be the healthiest thing, but um, that's not what everybody wants to eat every day. Will that affect you? Well, that's what I'm saying. Um, Got to take on board what uh, the professor was saying there, that um, you know that we are putting on weight and, and it could become... Um, a big problem in in the future. What are your thoughts? O Treble Three Twenty Twenty Four O One. You're listening to Scotland's Talkin' the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin'. Good morning, Ali. Regarding the special offers of multibuys, you simply cannot punish everyone for a minority abusing the multibuys. Who said they're abusing them, though? You know, that that's I'm not sure that, that that abusing is the right word. People need to start taking responsibility. This goes on here. Uh, taking responsibility for their own actions and the experts need to start doing more to educate these people rather than punish the masses. Educate them because they're, you know, who's to say they're wrong? I can maybe understand because this text does go on to say, I used to be obese and used every single excuse under the sun as to why that was, when in reality it's because I was uneducated and lazy. Being healthy is the easiest thing in the world when you know how. I still regularly buy special offers, but I now don't abuse them. Okay, right. Reading your whole text, I understand where you're coming from then. But I still don't agree that people are abusing them. I still think people uh, might budget buy them who can't afford to buy these particular items because they are of a high price. But that's the question we're asking. Would you still buy them if they were the high price rather than being discounted? If you have just joined us, good morning to you. We've been talking with Professor Linda Ball from the University of Edinburgh, talking about new research that says the more special offers you buy, the fatter you are. Almost half of treats like chocolate, crisps and savoury snacks are bought on discount, according to the study which was carried out for Cancer Research UK. Uh, Willie says, on the one hand, Ali, they talk about poverty, but a lot of families depend on bargains and buy one, get one free. But they are pushed into the background again. Holyrood has the power to increase child benefit, but won't do it for another three years. They say it would benefit people who don't need it as well. So they will means test it. They never thought of that one. They handed out baby boxes. I know. Don't get me started on baby boxes. Um, right. Liz says, Ali, morning. Uh, the supermarkets have to make a living. We know that the supermarkets have to make a living and having special offers on their products is one way of doing it. On the other hand, some people may rely on these offers as they're living on the breadline. That was my point. And yes, it could make us fat, being a little overweight, rather being uh, better being fat than uh, being dead. All right, OK. Um, Ali says, Sally, it's a joke. Don't drink. Don't smoke. Don't drive your car. Don't eat. Kill me now. Government rules and regulations. Do we need any more? Well, that's what Linda, Professor Linda Bold was saying there. You know, it's a case of we should be maybe educating ourselves, but the government have to give us a bit of a push. What do you think? Here's the ways to get in touch. You can text, as uh, quite a few people have been doing already. The text number is 6105. It is, isn't it? Yeah, 61054. It's lost it there. 61054, start your message with Ali. Email ali at thegreatesthits.co.uk and, of course, you can join us on the phone lines. O treble three twenty twenty four oh one. The new crime figures for Scotland are out. 
well, the official ones. How much faith have you got in them, though? According to these stats, the number of crimes were down 16% last year. And that's despite everything we're always hearing about how overstretched the police are. And just one in ten of us were a victim of crime, although that depends on where you live. As our chief reporter, Hope Webb, found out when she spoke to Justice Secretary Hugh Maz Youssef for Scotland's Talking. You'd expect that I would say that one victim is one victim far too many, but again, let's take the long-term view uh, of that. Uh, in 2008-9, it was almost 20% of people who were victims of... In fact, it was over 20% of people who were victims of crime, and that's now reduced to, to 12.5%. So we're making the right uh, headway uh, in that regard. But, of course, uh, what we have to do is delve deeper into these figures. There are some offences that we see, unfortunately, are on the increase. We see there are some be- some some geographical areas, areas of deprivation in particular, where we've just not made the movement we'd want to make. So, uh, as I say, there's a lot in these statistics which uh, we will give some, some real uh, detailed thought to. I mean, this does say you are more most likely to be the victim of a crime if you live in one of those deprived areas across Scotland. What can be done there to, to kind of look at that? I have to say, out of all the statistics, and there's many uh, in them in the Scottish Crime and Justice Survey, this one in particular probably gives me the most concern, that if you're in the area of deprivation, you are still more likely to be a victim of crime and you have not seen or enjoyed the benefits of a reduction of crime if you are from a deprived community. So to me that says from a government point of view uh, with our stakeholders like the police and others we've got to make sure we're absolutely directing and if necessary redirecting our resource and our focus into those deprived communities. I'm I'm having that conversation in fact regularly with my officials from Cashback for example and we're looking to see how we can target those interventions, that resource, that funding more directly into those communities that are suffering the effects of crime. A disappointing figure for you must be this drop in people's confidence when it comes to the job that police officers are doing in their local area. Obviously that's that's key to tackling what we're just talking about now. I mean, what do you make of that, the fact that people have less confidence in, in those that are you know, meant to look after them? Well, I think all of us recognise it's been a difficult few years for Police Scotland and challenging few years to say the least, despite that. Uh, 57% of people still think the police do a good job. Now, that's the, the, the majority of people think the police do a good job. In fact, those that interact with the police, I noticed 88% believe that the police treated them fairly. In fact, almost 95% say they were treated in a polite and, and, and in a good manner. So let's not lose sight of the fact that despite all of the challenges of the last few years, the majority of people still think the police Scotland are doing a good job. Justice Secretary Humza Yousaf for Scotland's Talking, talking there to uh, Hope Webb. So, um, another interesting thing to note in the report is that nearly two-thirds of Scots say they don't have confidence in the sentences handed down by the courts. So, we may be saying in that report that, um, in the, the research, that we, we have the confidence in the police and they're happy with how the police handle things, but in general, they're not happy with the confidence in that is being in the sentences that are being handed out by court. So although we may be safer, on paper at least, it seems our biggest fear is that the punishment doesn't fit the crime. Have you been affected by that? Do do you agree with that? If so, give us a call. Tell us your story. O Treble three twenty twenty four oh one is the number. So we're talking crime, the new crime figures for Scotland are out, the official ones, and they say crime is down. Is that what's happening where you are, where you're living? Do you see, or do you just see more and more people getting away with that? One that um, 
cropped up the other night there. I was looking, was it last night? I think it was on social media, where there was um, CCTV in a shop and uh, this CCTV caught somebody shoplifting and the shopkeeper put this on open for everybody to see. And there started the conversation about whether that should have been put on uh, social media or been left to the police. And what came out from that, which quite surprised me, was the amount of people who said, yeah, well, they would, you know, if they put a call into the police, they would get a call back saying they would see them a week on Tuesday. Um, you know, and that does happen a lot. You, you get an appointment, which might be three or four days after the crime has taken place. And we've heard that before um, on, on this programme where people have said, well, you know, I was broken into, uh, but nobody turned up for three or four days. Um, and, and there was no urgency about it. Uh, is, is that something you find as well? You know, is that where you don't have then the confidence in the police and you put things on social media that I'm not quite sure have been, should have been there, um, but it did quite clearly, the, the shopkeeper said, uh, you know, now if you know this person, uh, don't, please don't um, uh, name them on on this particular platform, but uh, private message me their name or indeed get in touch with the police. But you could see this lady quite clearly in, in a reasonably upmarket dress shop and she looked reasonably upmarket herself. But there again, shoplifters, um, you know, can they're pinching the stuff so they can afford to dress well, can't they? I mean, they don't look like somebody... What does a shoplifter look like? Surely you can't tell what a shoplifter looks like because they look like you, me and everybody else just walking around. But should that have been put on social media? That was the question that was coming to me last night. And what was coming through that, watching all the comments, was that the lack of confidence that the police would actually be bothered. That was it. They wouldn't be bothered with such a low-level crime. Is shoplifting that nowadays? Is it such that it's a low 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 crime uh, um, you know and this this wasn't by going again first appearances this lady who shoplifted wasn't there um running in and taking something like it was a top it was a top she just just took it off the rail and stuck it in her back of her jacket and away she went and she wasn't doing that to to run in and uh Feed a habit, like it's quite often you see with razor blades being stolen and people, um, you know, they go and sell the razor blades and, and to fix their habit, that to feed their habit. That, that wasn't the case. She may have had some other health problems, I don't know. But should that have been put on social media? It was put on social media because of the frustration of the lady who owned the shop. And quite rightly as well, she's spending eight hours a day in that shop. She bought that top to sell and she bought it to sell to pay her wages to pay her rates and to pay anybody that she employs in the shop she didn't buy it and put it on the shelf for somebody to come in and nick it and go and wear it the next day or sell it down in the pub complete with a coat hanger right what size do you want madam size 10 certainly yes just stay there and have your gin and tonic and I'll be back with it in five minutes do you want it on a coat hanger it's true I know one pub landlord who said that at one point he, was, he had more coat hangers out of toilets than they had in clothes shops. And it was from shoplifters who were going in shoplifting and leaving the coat hanger, coming back and selling them in the pub, and the coat hangers were left in the toilets. So there, we're talking about crime anyway. New crime figures in Scotland are out. Coming up in the next hour of the show, so get me your calls and your comments on that. Let me just give you the numbers again. 033 uh, We've been talking about crime. We've been talking about... Um, 
uh, multi-buying and supermarkets as well. You can text your comments on 61054. Start your message with Ali. You can email ali at thegreatesthits.co.uk and we're on Twitter. It's hashtag Scotland's Talking. In the next hour, I'm going to be asking you what you think about Brexit. I know, I know, but we have to talk about it. I can't just ignore it. It's a talking, for goodness sake. So, you know, I can hear you now saying, oh, Brexit. I know. But we could be in line for a new Tory Prime Minister without even being voted in again. It looks like she might go and someone else will come in. But who at the moment stands out for you as a potential Prime Minister of Great Britain in the Tory party that can get the UK out of the mess that it has been landed in? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Scotland's Talking, the podcast. Okay, so a week has passed since we last spoke about Brexit. I'm going to mention it and just leave the phone lines open or indeed the texts or whatever. What do you think of where we are at now? Should the Prime Minister be allowed to bring in her proposal for a fourth time? Is it about time somebody said no Let's stop. And if all these politicians, MPs that are in London at the moment can't come to an agreement, should they not just all resign? Because that's what they went down there to do. They went down there to represent the people, not only from Scotland, but from all over the UK. And they're not doing that at the moment, are they? They are not working together for the good of the country. If they were in a normal job, they would have had their third, third warning by now and at the door, I think. What do you think of where we are at at the moment? And if the Prime Minister, Theresa May, was to resign, not to have an election, but to resign, we would then be looking for another Prime Minister from the Tory party. Who do you think it should be? What are your thoughts on that? O treble three. 2020-401. Or maybe you do think there should be an election. Maybe that is the way out of it. A survey for today's Mail on Sunday puts Labour at 41%, five points clear of the Conservatives on 36%. So all Mr Corbyn would need to do would be get a, another party to side with him and he could be walking through the door of number 10 Downing Street. How would you feel about Jeremy Corbyn and the Labour Party in power? Would they solve this particular problem that we have any easier than um, our current Prime Minister and Conservative Party have? What are your thoughts? O treble three twenty twenty four oh one. Brexit, where are we now? What do you think about it? Prime Minister, who would you rather see than Mrs May or should she be getting on with it? And, and trying to crack it, but going back with the same argument for the fourth time. I read somewhere that uh, the European Parliament were looking at giving us an alternative. They're going to be saying, well, here it is. Make up your minds. It's that or that. So once again, we'll be told what to do. Is that the right way out? What do you think? Where are we at at the moment? Just what do you think about it? You're listening to Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin'. 
Scotland Stalking on a Sunday morning. Jane, Jane, thank you very much indeed for getting in touch. She says, every MP sitting in the House of Commons should be given one month to work together to come up with a solution to Brexit. At the end of that month, if they have not come up with a unified solution, a general election should be held and those current MPs in the Houses of Parliament should be banned from standing for election. Okay, but who tells them that? <laughs> that is the problem, isn't it? Thanks, Jen. Thanks for your thoughts. That's what it's all about. Ian, good morning. How are you? Good well, how are yourself? Good, thank you. Your thoughts on this, then? Ali, we are looking at it. No one can make more of a mess of Brexit than Theresa May. I think, you know, if you'd be in the election, let Jeremy Corbyn have a chance. Theresa May has had too many chances. You say one, two, three, boot up the backside, out the door. Mm-hmm. So you'd be up for a general election? Very much so. Very much so. I just don't think Theresa May's got any more sort of to give. She's done her bit. She's messed it up, Harry. <laughs> Plain and simple. Out the door, mate. Mm-hmm. You really feel that she's messed it up? I, I, I just wonder, you know, she, we keep hearing that she's come back and she's putting an offer, the only offer that's on the table, the best that she could get in Europe. Was the best good enough then? Obviously not for the MPs. No, but I, I think, Harry, to be honest with you, what the empire down in London, like, you know, they're getting fed up with it as well. You know, she keeps promising this and promising that, but... You just really need to go out the door, Al, you know what I mean? Out the door for Theresa. Thank you very much indeed, Ian. George Stewart, good morning. Good morning, Ali. Hi, George. How are you? Oh, wonderful, Ali. We're still in the European Union after two years, like I predicted. I, I feel know. a little bit good well, this morning. I have to say, it must be two years ago since you predicted that. Yes, yes she says you took Article 50, but we've took Article 50, but we've never left the European Union. And the way I'm looking at it, it doesn't look like we're going to be leaving, Ali. You think we're going to hang on in there? Well, I think that deal, it was obvious that deal was going to get rejected three times. She doesn't want the deal to be passed. She wants it to go to an impasse. They're just, it's not going to happen, okay? That's, that's, it can't happen. Britain simply can't leave the European Union without a no deal. It just can't happen. Right? It would cause chaos, and it's not going to happen. The government's job, they got to make sure that's not going to happen. But that doesn't mean to say the problem's going to go away. Because they've opened this kind of worms this referendum. And all these Brexiteer type of people, they're not going to go away. Mm-hmm. They're going to keep chapping and they're going to keep protesting. It's open the can of worms. It's no good situation. I'm, I'm reading, then, let me just, I'm reading a text sorry. here that's come in from John and he says, uh, re-Brexit, my understanding of democracy was majority rules. We voted to leave, so where's the problem? Just leave. MPs well. are MPs are paid, therefore it's their job to represent the democratic will of the people. Do you agree with that? No, I don't agree with that. I didn't a, think you a, would. Cameron made a mess of it. He should have stipulated there had to be at least 40% of the electorate before he made a decision like that. Only 37% of the, 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 the electorate voted, uh, voted to leave. So the rest are happy with the status quo or potentially voted to stay, I, I don't think you can make a decision like that on, on the basis of that referendum. I know you can call it democracy, but as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't count as far as I'm concerned. The public are not informed enough. And it's just you just simply can't make a decision like that on a referendum like that. But this mess is all a manifestation of that referendum. And that referendum came about because two years before that, 
Scotland got the referendum. The nationalists tub thumped for the referendum and they got it. So what could Cameron do? You had to give the English nationalists their referendum. And that is how we are in this mess. If we never had that Scottish referendum, then we would never have been in this mess. So the Scottish nationalists, thank you very much. That's all I like to say. OK, George, thank you very much indeed. Uh, and he did, uh, must be a couple of years ago that he came on and said this will never happen. Um, so just following on from John's uh, text there, he was talking about uh, representing the democratic will of the people, just to, to finish off what he was saying. The fact that we have no deal to leave with is the fault of the politicians not reaching a deal. So no deal it is, and we live with the consequences. But are we even sure, John, what the consequences of that would be? We hear this, that, and yeah, this will happen, that will happen. Look at what's happened already with Honda talking about moving out of the UK. Um, but they were going to do that anyway. Didn't matter about Brexit. That's been in the pipeline for a while for, for Honda. It's just those who don't want Brexit have been using that say, as an example. Well, we've lost them. That was going to happen. Um, sometimes, George says, we need to be careful what we wish for. Who was it said, we get the government we deserve? Thank you. Thank you, John. Treble 3 2020 401 is the number if you've got a comment, or indeed you can text. The text number is 61054. Start your message with Ali. Scotland's Talking, the podcast. We're talking Brexit at the moment. That was Queen at a water break free. Um, it's easy peasy, says this text. No deal and leave. And as soon as possible, please. Thank you, Mr. or Mrs. Anonymous. Uh, another one in here. Ali Corbyn and Diane Abbott, a total disaster for the UK if they were to get into government. It's all about opinions. What's yours? O treble three twenty twenty four oh one. As I say, talking anything Brexit at the moment, or who indeed you would like to see if Theresa May no, sorry, when Theresa May leaves number ten, who do you want to see going in that door to sort this mess out? O treble three twenty twenty four oh one. Uh let's go to John. Hi John, morning. Very good morning, Ali, and a happy Mother's Sunday Indeed, to all the ladies out there. Indeed, to all the ladies. By the way, just if um, after midday today, if you would like a, a, a little dedication for your mother, for Mother's Day, then we're happy to do it. The phone lines will be open for that, and the Texas as well. That's after midday, through till two. Right, John, so what's your point today? I want independence now. I think Scotland, we've got the chance now on basically... We need independence because they're making tomfoolery down in Westminster. I can't imagine in my lifetime I've seen that many food banks, people starving in the streets, lying in the streets, sleeping in the streets. I think forget about Theresa May, forget about the Tory party, let's be independent away from what's been happening, Ali. But to get a referendum on independence, you would need the approval of, at the moment, Theresa May and the Conservative Party. And mm -hmm. she's not going to give it. I know, because she's just afraid of us. All the Tories down there are afraid. Now, the thing is, this is the fourth time that Theresa May is wanting another vote. And it's not going her way. Half the Tory party are split between two peas, basically, Ali. Mm -hmm. And what's happening here is 
You've got Boris, Gove, and Mog, right? They're the main Brexiteers. They think they're going to take over Parliament. Well, I've got news for you. I'd rather have meerkats run another country. Oh, dear. But I just don't know if Scotland has the appetite for another referendum at the moment. Do you think it would? It would. Well, you obviously do think you, you're you're one that's for independence. So you 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 think it would go that way, and um, you think your fellow countrymen would vote for it? Do you? Well, let's give a chance. Let's. But we had give that chance. We had the, the people. We had that chance. Sorry. We had that chance in that once in a lifetime vote. And we voted to stay with the UK. That's but, what Scotland voted for. But we for. didn't know the whole story. But you could say that every day about changing things. Well, let's give it back to the people and let them decide. OK, John, thank you very much indeed. Eric, good morning to you. Good morning, Ali. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> fine topics we've got here all oh, the time, eh? What's like, great? Leave is leave, 17.4 million people. Now, Corbyn... Surgeon, all the rest of it, they're, also, they're obviously going to try and attempt to make political gain. Call referendums, call general elections, call everything. Probably Theresa May in, in their position would do the very same. But what they're actually saying is here is, we voted to leave, we'll leave. This is a stramash. I mean, if I was Theresa May, I'd be sacking half the cabinet because in the party, they're meant to be backing you, whether it's Labour, SNP or the Tories. It's a mess, and I think the mess has been caused by politicians across the board. Not the people. Um, I would like to see them leave. Right. I mean, you're right. Her cabinet are not behind her, are they? I mean, no, whether it was, if you were a prime minister and you didn't have the backing of your politicians and your cabinet, is it political game? Is it megalomania? Is it power? Is it position? What is it these guys are doing? And the 1922 committee should knock them on the head, like Ian Corbyn's mob or the SNP mob. This has gone too far, and they're making a disgrace of the UK, one of the best nations in the world, one of the most powerful nations in the world, and one of the most productive nations in the world. Well, it was at one time. We need to leave. Get it sorted out, and let us get on with it. Who do you think, if Theresa May this week coming was to say, that's it, I've had enough, I'm out? Well, my choice would be at this moment in time, Michael Gove. Um, the, the thing about it, though, Brexit tears are in, the, EU, the, the EU is laughing, us, laughing at us. We have got uh, countries worldwide willing to trade with us, WTO, America says it, Canada says we're not going to lose anything. The wee current timorous beasties out there, <laughs> as quoted, what is their problem? I mean, come on. We, we, we've got nothing to lose here and all to gain. And I'll, I'll go back to the statement I made before. We were not in the EU before the 70s, and we survived quite well. Okay, Jim, thank you very much indeed. It's all about opinions. That was, uh, sorry, that was Eric. Uh, it's all about opinions and that was his. Uh, we go to Jim now. Jim, hello. Hi, how are you? I'm all right, thank you. Your point, please. My point is that we've voted to leave. We should leave. We've got uh, Theresa May, one person, uh, fighting against, is it 47 states across there? There's nobody helping her here. They should have been helping her months ago, mm. a year ago. Not now. Um, as for the SNP, they could have helped themselves by doing a little deal with voting for her. With her. Uh, don't know what deal they would have done, but uh, that's, that would have been the way to go of the SNP. But 
referendum, guy come up with a referendum. They voted before to leave the EEC and stop immigration. They're doing the opposite now. They're wanting to stay in the EEC and help anybody else to come into the country. So what's the way out then? Just to get out as far as you're concerned? Yeah, just leave. Just leave. Just leave. But when, I'm, I'm old, so True. I remember when we were here too. <laughs> you're not supposed to agree with me. <laughs> uh, but I remember when we were on our own. We did really well with the industry. Half the industry that's left Scotland has been assisted by the EEC to go to Europe. NCR and all, loads of places. Everybody, you know, they've raped us and taken a lot of the industry to the to Europe, and uh, we're getting let, we're getting we're left. left right. We're so, left. same same question to you then. If Theresa May was to leave Ten Downing Street this week, who would you see from the Conservatives? Who would you want to go in as a Prime Minister? <laughs> Well, it would be a Conservative because um, they're in power at the moment, so we would have no say on that unless a general election was called, which I don't think they're going to do. Um, but there again, <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do from hour to hour, neither do they. Um, so who would you see going in there to sort this out for the good of the country? I think the uh, Parliament cut could do as good a job as they've all done. There's not one that could lead us. I'm sorry, I just don't have any faith in them at all. They weren't, they weren't fighting as a team. They weren't working as a team. They've not been working as a team. That's very true. Nah. That's very Unless... True. Oops. We've lost you, Jim. Lives out in the middle of nowhere. That was it. The signal was gone. Either that or he's not paid his bill. Thank you very much indeed. Um, 0333 2020 401. As I say, that's the number. A few more coming through on social media here. Let me just pick them up as they come in. Um, an independence that uh, right okay I'll read that one in a minute to myself something about being a clown we'll come to that in a second 25 minutes away from 12 we'll also be talking in a moment about um, cars and although this is you know we're talking about leaving Europe this will still affect us um, and it's the speed of cars and, and how they're how it's monitored this will still affect us whether we're in or out of Europe we'll do that in a moment you're listening to Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin'. How would you like it if your car stopped you speeding? Would you see it as something to help you keep your driving licence clean? Or does it maybe look to you as an attack on our freedom? The EU is planning to bring in new European car safety standards in 2022, which means every car, every new car, will come with automatic speed limiters as standard. And yes, it will apply in the UK even after Brexit. The technology is already fitted to many of the latest models. And Matthew Avery from Tatum Research can explain how it works. About 75% of the cars we tested uh, in Eurocap last year had intelligent speed uh, assistance systems. And it works by looking at GPS mapping. A lot of cars have got um, obviously sat-navs on them. And a lot of cars have also got cameras on them. Now, these cameras are often used for the automatic emergency braking systems uh, and pedestrian detection systems. 
Now, the camera can also read road signs. So it looks at the mapping and looks at the speed limit on the map. It looks at the road sign, compares those two, and then can actively control the vehicle speed. So it can tell you on the dashboard how fast the speed limit is, and it will restrict the vehicle to no more than that speed. But you can override it. You can turn the system off if, for instance, it might be inaccurate, or if you momentarily have to accelerate to get past a, a truck or something, then you can override it via the throttle. We are preventing more and more injuries on UK roads and the driver assistance systems are helping that. So the AEB systems, the automatic braking systems, are reducing front to rear crashes by something like 40%. So they are helpful, but there does come a point when drivers then begin to switch off. So, for instance, if your vehicle is only ever able to do the speed limit, you might decide that you'll just plant your, your foot flat on the throttle because you don't think the car will ever speed. And that's obviously not the case. So there is an issue around this. And one of the things that we're looking at introducing into cars will be driver monitoring systems that are looking at driver behavior, making sure the driver is still alert. Because at the end of the day, you are still driving, you are still responsible. Some people say it could be one of the biggest advances yet in road safety. But Steve Gooding from the REC Foundation is worried drivers could become less alert and more tasks are done for them. I think the first thing we all to say on the subject is that the speed limits that we have on our roads are there to make the roads safe for all of us. And it's interesting, I think, to ponder if we were talking about any other law, would we really be talking about giving people the discretion to break it whenever they feel like it? But on the specifics of the package that the European Parliament's been looking at, it does have intelligent speed assistance. It has many other aspects to it. And I think a couple of things concern me. One is, of course, that... Excessive speeding does play a part in many of the crashes that happen on our roads, but often that's excessive but not exceeding the speed limit. If you think of the country lanes that we have that twist and turn across the countryside, the speed limit's often 50 or 60 miles an hour, but you'd have to be pretty crazy to drive that fast. Sadly, some people do, and this won't help. Secondly, I do worry about the extent to which the technology in the vehicle takes the driving task away from the driver, and perhaps then we're not on a, not as awake and alert as we really need to be. I, I take Steve's point there, because when you take into consideration cruise control and various other things that the car can now do for you, and, and, and I've been in a few cars recently that have got that technology that he was talking about there, it comes up on the dashboard and it tells you uh, what the speed limit is in that area and it changes as you pass a speed limit sign and some cars bleep and tell you and you can either ignore it or, or whatever or stick to it. Uh, so, But it does leave the driver less in control. Um, what are your thoughts? Would you be happy with that? Or treble three twenty twenty four zero one is the number if you'd like to comment. Uh, Ian's here. Hello, Ian. Oh, how are you doing? Not too I, bad. Uh, you're, you're a, well, you're a bit of a car buff, a bit like myself. I, I hate cruise control, and you're saying that you've, you've had a few shots at... You're no in control, Ali, when, you, when you've got that. OK, you, you hit the brake, you hit the, uh, you hit the gas, and it cancels out. But when you're sitting there with your foot off the pedals, you're, you're, just, you're just a bit like a, a bit like a dummy sort of thing. I, I, I'm no for cruise control. I can't be doing with it. Ali, see when you're in a built-up area, Ali, 
and and you're maybe limited to twenty mile an hour, and there's more of these these zones are coming in all the time. Mm-hmm. Now for a for a small engine, that's not too bad. When you're uh, you're you're, but if you were uh, if it was a big engine car, you're putting a big engine car under a lot of strain, driving in second gear at twenty mile an hour. Ali, you're creating more pollution when you're doing that at that speed for a big engine. For a wee engine, it's not so bad. But for a big engine, and I just came past a couple of garages last night, a Porsche garage, a Ferrari garage. Ali has got to, has got to put these guys out the market altogether. Uh, the, the same as is going to be happening as we speak about the Honda doing in Swindon. Well, it's not going to put them out of business. They're still going to sell cars. Well, they're, they're just I, moving, I, they're moving, they're moving the plant, and, and, that's and it. And obviously, the UK's not geared up for that. Right, so you're not in favour of this new technology. Let's get, that was the question that was being uh, asked. Yes, yes, in some ways, but only for small engines, Ali. For a big engine, it's putting a big engine under a lot of labour. Driving along in second gear is making more pollution. Right. And they're trying to get away with that. Okay, then blaming diesels and uh, buses and lorries and, and whatever. Well, your tinny beans has got to get into the town some way. Your public transport, everybody, leave your car at home, use public transport. And that, that's a big engine on a bus, it's a big engine on a lorry. Okay, I, I take your point. As, uh, you know, and that's what the programme is about. It's about your opinions. I, mean, I don't agree with you as far as... Um, uh, cruise control. I use it a lot. Um, well, I don't but, like it, Ali, because you're not in control. Yes, you are. Of course, you are. Well, you're you're you still in control. You, you, you set it. You, you, you're driving to the speeds that you know that you've set the cruise control at. You're still having to pay attention. It's not as if you're you're going off to sleep and hoping to wake well, up at your I destination. That, Ali. I realise that, but it's, t- it's still taking away a bit of control. No, no total control, but just. Just a wee bit, a wee bit, and I don't like that. I don't like that. Okay, thank you very much indeed, Ian. Uh, let's go to David next. Hi, David. What's your subject today then? Hello, Ali. Morning. Good morning. Uh, I was wanting, I was to pick up on a wee point. It was uh, more to do with uh, the independence referendum for Scotland and Theresa May with Brexit and okay. how, how they're kind of joined. Right, go for it. Uh, the way I, the way, the way I looked at it is that uh, Theresa May now is going to go back to the vote for the fourth time which uh, nobody seems to be creating any stushy about at all whatsoever. But uh, if there's a talk of a second Scottish independence referendum, it seems to be, oh, no, you can't go back there. You can't have a second vote, you know, whether she's pushing on for a fourth, purely because she doesn't like the results that she's getting. Mm -hmm. And and the the idea of the Scottish independence referendum, there's actually a mandate for that, for the, the Scottish government who was voted in that says any major changes and it actually even mentions about being dragged out of the EU against the, the will of the Scottish people, that would give the mandate for another independence referendum. So, you know, there's a big difference between the two things, but I don't believe that the question that uh, they don't have the right to have another vote was a once-in-a-lifetime. Once in it was clearly stated that if something major happened, then we would go back and revisit it. So I think we should be revisiting it. So how about the the view from uh, the current UK government then, and from the Prime Minister, that she, her their permission, her permission has to be given for this referendum in Scotland to take place if it was to take place for a second time. So at the moment, you know, she's saying no. Well, the way I look at that, Ali, is, is this is a union we're in, and it's meant to be a union of equals. And uh, if if we 
are reviewed, uh, refused the opportunity to have a second referendum. It isn't a very fair or equal union, is it? You know, mm. we shouldn't be asking permission if you're in a, a 50-50 situation. And obviously we're not, because whatever England votes, Scotland gets anyway. As for past Tory governments, as you can see, it happens in Scotland. Uh, the referendum for the EU, 62% went to stay in in Scotland, totally ignored. We're getting dragged out anyway. So if, if we are in a union, as in fact we're meant to be, why do we need to ask permission to do something? And if that referendum uh, was to take place, uh, David, for Scotland, um, am, am I getting the right feeling here you would be voting for independence? Yeah, definitely, yeah, because I, I purely see the the absolute buffoonery that's happening down south just now and what's lined up to go into power after Theresa May is nothing short of a laughing stock like Gove and people like that, you know what I mean? These people are, uh, what they're doing with sanctioning people and people more or less dying through starvation and I, I've worked in jobs myself that I've worked with people who have been like five minutes late or whatever and I take £10 off them every week when they're already on seemingly a minimum amount of money to live and they sanction them again or they don't get money for two months whenever they try and get benefit. They're, they're literally killing people out there just now. And if this is the party that's going to run the country, and in my opinion, the people behind Theresa May could even be worse, screaming into the right wing type of stuff, I think we have got to get out of this as quickly as possible to try and save our own country and our own future, our children. So if it did come to that situation this week then, um, and just bearing in mind what you've said about um, those that are in Parliament uh, with the Conservative government, who who would you be looking to take over as Prime Minister from Theresa May? An absolutely horrendous choice. And, uh, you know, there's, unless somebody could come out of left field and I, I, there's nobody there that I could back, therefore that is that is one of my major points there, mm-hmm. that the, none of those people, Theresa May or anyone who's in the running to come in after Theresa May, speak for me or any of the kind of thoughts or... Uh, humanity that I have so there's absolutely nobody there in that party that could possibly ever represent me and Jeremy Corbyn obviously being Labour is probably more central but his use of uh, abstaining all the time and he's not even a, a proper opposition he can't whip his own party into shape so now this is the worst story government for years and years and years and he can't even be a strong opposition so I don't think he's fit to either that's why I'm so down the line of Scottish independence because I don't think the choices that we have been given by Westminster and more or less another government making uh, decisions for our country I don't think it's going to work and I'm glad to see I think it the swells rising Okay David, you're not the first one to say they couldn't pick one to, to run the country at the moment on the programme today. There's been uh, a couple saying that, but thank you very much indeed uh, for your call. I just want to go into some of the stuff that's come through on social media to give you a, a flavour of what else is being said. Uh, here's one that comes in from Clark, said, um, we have four factions in our, uh, in our parliament, extreme left, extreme right, central left and central right. We have already witnessed a handful of MPs break away from their parties. The rest should admire their bravery and follow suit. Let's have a centralist party. A new strong centralist party is what we need. Did we not try that? 
isolates the troublemaking extremists who are only interested in their own agenda and not the people's. Clark, that's your opinion. Thank you very much indeed for it. Uh, Jimmy Simpson says, the gentleman shouting for independence, that man's a clown. I think it's bad. If you think it's bad just now, it's going to be a nightmare if the SNP take over. They're a useless shower, have ruined the country. Um, But, of course, according to them, it's all Westminster's fault. So see, it's all about opinions. Another one here coming in says, uh, um, there has to be, this is from Phil, says there has to be a referendum. The mass demonstrations in London point to that. Uh, the British people want a say in this. Also, I don't agree with this fixed term parliament system. In many countries, when a prime minister resigns, the government also stands down. Parliament is dissolved and a general election should be held. So would that be a wetter, better way to go? Would be according to Phil. So that's what happens in some other countries. And what is Phil is suggesting is that when a prime minister resigns, the government also stands down, parliament is dissolved, and a general election would be held. It'd be an interesting one again. Uh, I just don't know that um, in a country at the moment that we have uh, the appetite for for more votes and more things to go to but Phil thank you very much indeed for your call that's uh, almost it for me today um, it's, it's been an interesting show and, and I apologise for the calls that are sitting on the switchboard at the moment we have uh, run out of time just if I take somebody else on I just end up cutting you off because we've got a minute to go to the news uh, so uh, sorry about that but next time Phone in earlier. Come in on the earlier part of the programme. Uh, on the earlier part of the programme today, we were talking about uh, the more special offers you buy, the fatter you are. Um, that was uh, according to some research that had come out. And I had a comment on that. It says uh, from Patricia in Dunfermline, she says, if I can't buy multi-pack crisps and chocolate and sweets, then I cannot get through a 10-hour night shift in a care home. So if I stopped buying those treats, I would have to retire and spend all my time in bed with no heating or food as I would not be able to afford them if I'm not working. I would then be a burden on the NHS with depression, dehydration and starvation. Would the politicians and experts prefer that? Patricia, thank you. And uh, one that comes in that says, I think it should be our choice what we buy. They've already put a sugar tax on most things. A wheat shop is, is just gone up it's ridiculous um, loads of child poverty some parents buy one get one free to help with packed lunch or treats and we should be left to get on with running our lives so thank you for all your comments thanks to my guests on that one uh, Professor Linda Bald and John Lee from the Scottish Grocers Federation uh, also to Matthew Avery from Thatcham Research and Steve Gooding from the RIC Foundation on the speed in cars and of course to Justice Secretary uh, Humza Yousaf uh, who was on talking about the new crime figures that's what we've had on the show today if you've missed some of it and Scotland's talking just a reminder you can go and listen to the podcast as of tomorrow morning It'll be up there on the podcast site. Just go onto the station website, jump in podcast and you'll see it. Or you'll get it on iTunes as well and you can listen to any parts of the show that you missed out.